Amen. It is good to be with you guys today. How many of you love Justin and Amber? Do you know the first thing that God said to Joshua when he took over? Here's an encouraging word, okay? It says, and God spoke to Joshua, who was the the servant of Moses, and said to him, you ready? You know what he said? Moses, my servant, is dead. That's your encouraging word for the day. (laughs) But you know what? Let's put that, put, that, put that second, the first verse of the second song back up there. I thought that was a wonderful, wonderful verse. You got the first stanza, let's see, who else commands, King, who, put the next stanza up there? Do what? That's not it. Is that the first song there? The second song that we sang. It said it so, is that it? It was a good song. Oh, there's peace that outlasts darkness, hope that's in the blood. There's future grace that's mine today, that Jesus Christ won. What is that next stanza? So I can face tomorrow, for tomorrow's in your hands. All I need you will provide, just like you always have. Guys, has God been good to you guys for 10 years? Is he going to leave you now? You know what they said? He hadn't brought us out this far to take us back again. He, he brought you here to, to move forward. And look, this is a young church. I hate to say it. This is one of the rare times that I admit this. I'm older than most of you. You know, I look like old rattletrap broken down on the outside. On the inside, I'm 36, right? And everybody with gray hair or bald head said, yeah, that's right. Okay, both of them. But anyway... This is a young church. What, what do you get to do? What, where do you get to go? You are going to see things I have never seen. We've seen some pretty amazing things. We've been here for 41 years. We've been able to see things all over the place. You are going to see things I will never get to see. Oh my. And now what it requires is, okay, we're going to, you know, it says the old men dream dreams and the young men see vision. I still think I see visions, but really they're dreams. I get it. But you know what? As we combine the generations and the old men dream dreams of what are to be. Miles Monroe said it's dreams because it's what are to be, but they don't have energy to make it happen. But they give that, they take it from a previous generation, they give it to the next generation, the next generation mixes it with energy, and they turn the dream into a vision. This is a young church. What can you people do? What, can, what are you going to see happen in Salt Lake Valley? Because you were here. Not because Justin was here. As wonderful a guy was he, as he was, and I, there, he's one of two people I'm really going to miss. They're leaving. I miss a bunch, go see him, but we would have had a good time together. But he served his day, and now it's your day. Right? And God told Joshua, just like I led Moses... What? What? I'm going to lead you. Now I want you to move forward. And guys, you you have a good work here. You have been given a good foundation and you're going to do a good job. I want to encourage you as you follow Jesus. Who cares more about this church, you or Jesus? Jesus. Then let's leave it with Him. Amen? We We leave the success, we leave the results to Him, and we just get busy and work. Okay? 
Now, as we come to our passage in John, this is a perfect passage to talk about. What do we do? What, what, what kind of work do we do? Well, how can we make this thing happen? And we look at what Jesus said in this passage. It's just so amazing how wrapped up Jesus is in one thing. Jesus has one message, and it is throughout this passage that we're looking at today in John 12. We're going to look at it again. Look at what it says. And Jesus cried out and said, you know, the Bible didn't say that Jesus cried out very many times. We don't know when this passage was. We, we don't know exactly what event this is tied to. It's kind of a standalone passage, but it was probably attached to some event. We don't know which one, but whatever it was had brought Jesus to a place where it says he cried out. He didn't cry out very much. Look through the gospels. I went through the Gospels one time looking for when Jesus yelled at people. Didn't happen much. I'm yelling at you because I can't hear myself. I had my hearing aids turned up. Usually that's a pretty good monitor. There we go. We're a little bit better. Jesus didn't yell much. You know when he did raise his voice? Two times on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Boy, that'd be a time to raise your voice, wouldn't it? On the cross, he, gave, he cried aloud and gave up the Spirit. But there was another time over in John chapter 7, when he says on the last great, great and last day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters. This he spoke of the Holy Spirit who was to come after him. So he, listen, he cried out on the cross. He cried out talking about the Holy Spirit. And in our passage today, he cries out talking about, look at what it says. Whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who has sent me. Who is he crying out about now? The Father. Yeah, well, Sunday school answers is usually Jesus, buddy. Thanks for giving it a shot there. Um, it's always Jesus, right? The Sunday school teacher asks the class, what's gray and bounces around and has a long fluffy tail? And the kid says, well, I know the answer is Jesus, but that sounds like a squirrel. <laughs> it's always Jesus. But at this time, it's the Father. Because, friends, Jesus was obsessed with the Father, man. He, he, he came to show us the Father. Everything he did was to bring us back to the Father. And look what he says. I have come into the world as a light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words, even the words he says, watch this, and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive the words, my words, has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Where did he get the words? Verse 49, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Everything he got, he got from the Father. Everything he gave came from the Father, and his entire desire was to get us back into the presence of the Father. I know this, that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Everything Jesus did was about the Father. Now, Jesus told us why he came, okay? He made it very clear why he came. Down in, in, in John chapter 6, you looked at this several weeks ago. In John chapter 6, it says, verse 38, I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of what? The one who sent me. How many of you would say, well, I just wish I knew what God's will was for my life? 
We'll talk about that in a minute. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that has been given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes, go ahead and switch that one, in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the will of the Father, that if you believe in me, you'll be raised to life. Jesus came to do the will of the Father. And do you know how he did it? Look, we, we make this so difficult. In order to do the will of the Father, you have to be qualified. You've got to go to Bible college. You've got to cut that off and shave that off and make that longer. And you've got to do everything just right. And then you've got to go to seminary. And you've got to be qualified to do the will of the Father. You know how Jesus did the will of the Father? It's really, it's really crazy. And listen, if we could just make this as simple as life. As simple as life. We, we, you know, we used, to, we used to have Thursday night visitation. And if you were going to talk to anybody about Jesus, you had one hour. Right? Thursday night from 7 to 8 o'clock. And you could only go to the houses of people who had visited the church. So if you didn't have anybody visiting the church, you were, you were free and clear, right? But you had one hour to visit with people in the entire week. That ain't, that ain't how Jesus did it, man. That, that's not how he did it. He integrated his walk in life with his walk with the Father to such an extent you could not tell the two of them apart. And Jesus accomplished the will of the Father. Pointing people to him. Everything he said, everything he did was to get people to the Father. Look, what, what did he say about himself? I, how did he define himself? How did he describe himself? I am the way. I am truth. I am life. Now look, I am truth. Listen, I, I heard some. Okay, so somebody said we must live by the three R's. Uh, respect for ourselves, respect for others, and responsibility for all we do and say. Okay? Respect for ourselves, respect for others, and responsibility for all we do and say. Is that a good line? Do you agree with that? Does anybody agree with that? The lights are, the lights are bright, so I can't see how everyone is nodding their heads out there. So, you agree, you, is that a good line? It's not as good as love your neighbor as yourself, but it's pretty good, isn't it? You know who said it? The Dalai Lama. The Dalai Lama come up with truth? No. Jesus is the truth. Friends, you don't come up with truth. Jesus is the truth. He left truth sprinkled around the floor of the Garden of Eden just like He did Ambien as a blessing, right? He just left it sprinkled everywhere so we could find some of it. And all kinds of people have truth, but if they say, if they say truth, they got it from Jesus whether they knew it or not. Because He is the embodiment of all truth. He is the way. The way to what? He is the truth. All truth of life rests in Him. And He is the life. And He is the way to what? No one comes to the Father except through Him. Jesus is the way to the Father. Everything He said was to point us to the Father. And the way that He did it was so integrated with life it was inseparable. And friends, that's what he calls us to. Just the simplicity of taking Jesus with us everywhere we go. This is how he did it. Acts 10.38. You ready? God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And this is what he did. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. What did he do? He just went around doing good. Everywhere he went, he went looking for someone to point to the Father. 
Everywhere he went, he went looking for someone to be able to tell him, you know what, there's a father who loves you. There's a father who wants you in his presence. Every morning he woke up reminding himself, today, today is a day that I get to live for the father. But what we have done is said, well, I'll give, I'll give Jesus. Now we got Monday, it's got Sunday morning, started at 10 o'clock, and that sermon's going to last for 29 more minutes. I hope I can make it. I hope he can make it before the game starts. And then tomorrow I'm going to work. And friends, tomorrow's when the work started for Jesus. He just went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He went about his daily work. When you think about all the places that this building represents this next week, if we were to take our phones and have, it, have all of our locations put on a central computer, how we would cover this city this next week. And if we were to do just what Jesus did, everywhere he goes, he just went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil because the Father was with him. If we took Jesus everywhere we went this week, how would we saturate this city? How would we cover this city? What could be accomplished this week just by us going around and saying, hey, there's somebody that loves you, man. His name's Jesus. He's pointing you to the Father. Let's go home. What might we get accomplished? He just went about doing good. Who can I show today by word, by action, by an ear, by a blessing that God is with me? How many of you God's with you? Is God with you? Then, then anywhere we go, <laughs> we're qualified to go about doing good. Friends, our service for Christ is not what we do on Sunday mornings. Our service for Christ is what we live every day of, every, of, of the week. Every hour of every day of the week. Well, I can just relax at home and not have to worry about it. <laughs> Man. If, if there's any place this has to start, it's at home. Listen, this is a lecture. Home is the lab. That's where you blow things up, right? I was in chemistry lab right after they had invented chemistry. I took lab courses. <laughs> University of Alabama, so I've just alienated half the crowd. And, um, um, well, I did something wrong. Still don't know what it was. But it, it required that the lab be evacuated. And they turned on the fans and they're evacuating all the air out of the lab. And the professor comes in and says, uh, he stands at my station. Everybody's coming back in and he's standing at my station. So I stand at the station next to mine. Kind of like, huh, what happened there? This will be, be interesting. And then the ding dong that was at that station came in and I had to move. And I had liberated oxygen from a rubber, from a rubber stopper. Now, you know how I did it? I don't. You can explain it to me later. And so the whole place had to be evacuated. I forget why I told you that story. <laughs> but friends, everywhere we go, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter our circumstance. We have the opportunity to take Jesus with us even when we're liberating oxygen from a rubber stopper. How can we turn this thing around? Look at what it says. He went about doing good. Do you know, there are very few times when Jesus was headed someplace to perform a miracle. There are very few times of it. He, he went down to Bethany to raise uh, Lazarus from the dead. He went up to Jairus' house to minister there, right? 
most of the ministry, he was going to the centurion's house, and that woman stopped him along the way and just, you know, well, that was Jairus's house, I mean, and that messed up Jairus. Wait a minute, come on, you're supposed to be coming with me. He was going to the centurion's house, and the centurion stopped him and said, you don't need, there are very few places Jesus went intentionally to do ministry. Do you know where he did ministry? Wherever he was. He sat down on the well outside of Sychar in the little province of Samaria there town that Jews weren't supposed to go to. He sat down waiting for his disciples to go to get some food, and here came a, a, a woman, and now we know about the woman at the well. It was on the way to Jairus' house that the woman with the issue of blood was healed. He was just going into Nain one day. We don't know why. It doesn't say why, but he was going into this town of Nain, and here came this funeral procession. Do you remember the widow's son had died? The widow's son. And when the widow's son had died, now she's left with nothing and no one. This is a woman in dire straits. And her son has died and they're taking him out. They're taking him out to bury him. And Jesus comes walking in town. He wasn't going there to raise anybody from the dead. He just happened to be going to town. Where do you happen to be going this week? And in going into town, here comes a need. And he reached over and touched that body and raised that body from the dead. And how many of you know that if you put trash out on the, out on the sidewalk, anybody who drives by can get it, Right? Right? They're taking that boy out to bury him, and when Jesus raises him from the dead, who does he belong to now? You ever heard of finders keepers? Huh? What does he do? No, he gives that boy back to the mother because he knows her need. He raises that boy for her, not for himself. And, you know, I, I wonder if she's getting there going, you know, I really appreciate that you raised my son from the dead. If you had done it before we hired these mourners... I mean, these are world-class mourners we got here. I mean, we paid top denarii for these guys. No. Jesus was just on his way when he did so much of ministry. He was on his way to Peter's house when he got there and found that Peter's mother-in-law was sick, and so he raised her up. And then they cooked some food and blessed it and ate. It's just in the course of his day. It's just in the course of everyday life. You know where he found himself? He went to Bethesda. He went to Bethesda Hospital. All right? Had five colonnades there and all kinds of sick folks, and he healed one person. Do you know why he healed one person? Jesus had the ability to heal every one of them that was, that was there. Why did he not heal everyone? You know, Jonas Salk is the guy who came up with the cure for polio. If Jonas Salk had come up with the cure for polio and had not made it available... He would have been criminally liable for every infection of polio that occurred after the discovery of that, of that cure. Did you know that? Now, Jonas Salk could have sold it to the world and been a billionaire. He gave it to the world, and here, let's get rid of polio. Jesus had the ability to heal everyone at the pool of Bethesda. Why did he not heal all of them? Why did he heal only one? Why is he not criminally liable for healing all of them and for healing my son and for healing your parents and for taking care of all of our problems? Why is he not liable for that? It's because I only do what my father tells me to do. He was obsessed with the father. He wanted to please the father more than he wanted to please himself. If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he wanted to please the father more than he wants to please you and me. And so he healed the one. And he healed him because he just happened to be walking by the hospital that day and thought he would go in and say hi to some folks. He went walking through that graveyard over on the, west, the east side of the Sea of Galilee there, and there were those demoniacs. He didn't go looking for them. They came looking for him. 
He just went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by any means of the devil. He went to weddings, turned them into parties. Have you ever done something and nobody gives you the credit for it? Have you ever done something nice and somebody else gets the credit for it? Have you? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? I have. Does that get under your skin? Do you want, do you want to get the credit you deserve? Who deserved the credit of the good wine at the wedding in Cana? Who deserved the credit for it? There's your Sunday school answer. Jesus. Who got the credit for it? The groom. And you know how much Jesus protested? None. Didn't care who got the credit. Let's just get the job done. He turns weddings into parties, man. Just because he went about doing good. Every day was a new adventure. And how can I serve the Father today? He had meals with them, including their last. He took, he took the insignificant, he took the mundane and turned it into the important. He was able to distinguish between the urgent and the important, and he never got distracted from the important because of the urgent. He saw every day as an opportunity. How can I tell someone about the Father today? I was at a church service a few years ago, and they said, we're supposed to be fishers of men, and how often we forget. So here's what I want you to do. He had a basket up front. He said, I want you to come up here and, and stick your hand in here and pull out a fishing lure. I've had that lure on my keychain for about two years now. That is the coolest thing, because every time I pick up my keys, what am I reminded of? Every time I pick up my keys, what am I reminded of? I'm supposed to be a fisher of men. And so when I go to Beans and Brews to catch up with somebody, when I go to a restaurant to catch up with somebody, who, who am I fishing for? The one who, came, who I came there to visit with or everybody else? Just go about doing good, looking for ways that I can tell people about the Father. And friends, every one of us are called to that. And every one of us can do that. You have experiences that I will never have. And people are going to bump into you who need to hear how God has ministered to you in your experience. You have an encounter with Jesus that others are going to need to hear about. But if we forget what we're here for, well, I'm just going to Walmart and I'm just running a real quick errand and I really don't have time to talk to anybody. Okay. <clears throat> That's fine. Boy, I hope Jesus doesn't pass me by in Walmart. Amen? Because everywhere I go, God is with me. And so I just invite him into the conversation. One of the places that I go a lot with my work, we, do, we, uh, we run a helps and encouragement ministry to pastors in the state of Utah. And, and so I go to a lot of coffee shops <clears throat> and um, go to a lot of restaurants to meet them in those places. You'd be amazed, the waitresses and waiters that we've met over the years. You'd be amazed, the baristas that we've been able to meet over the years and get to know their names and, and how many kids they have and which kids sick and and you know what really blessed? You know what's an interesting thing? What blesses waitresses and waiters is, you know, you're going to be spiritual, right? You're going to pray for your meal, right? So why not, before we pray for the meal, look at them and say, look, I'm going to be praying for this in a few minutes. How can we pray for you? And all the years, somebody told me about that years ago. It's just so cool. All the years I've been doing this, I've had one person who has said, no, nah, I'm good. One person. Everybody else, they've got something. A lot of times they'll stand there and pray with us, let us pray for them, and they walk away in tears. Because somebody cared, friends, how many people are you going to run into this week who just need to know that somebody cares whether they live or die? And you have the Father with you. 
That's what Jesus did. He just went about doing good. You know what? I handed a business card to a waitress one time and talked to her, you know, every time we were in there. And she quit working there and lost track of her. And I got a phone call one time. Got a phone call from one of those numbers that you swipe whichever way is off, you know. Because I didn't have that number in my phone, right? Well, I didn't swipe that direction. I swiped the other way. Hello? Eight years later, it was that girl. She said, I got to talk to somebody. I, I, need, I need help. <laughs> Let's get together. I got her with a women's director at a church at Yakek. And eight years later, friends, you have no clue. You have no clue the impact that your life today will have in, in eight, 80 years. You have no clue. Just because intentionally we woke up this morning and said, What can I do for Jesus today? And I'll tell you what. He's with us when our kids ask us the questions that are interrupting the urgent. It's urgent that I get my bills paid. And then my son came up one time. He was about eight, nine years old and said, what are we doing here? <clears throat> well, I had my bills. I got to get these paid. So I answered him as quick as I could. Yeah, but why are we here doing that? I answered him real quick. And then he asked a third question. It was kind of like the Holy Spirit said, uh, hello. Oh, this is a life moment for that kid. And think about, where did Jesus meet him? He met him in their terrifying weather experiences. Have you ever been in terrifying weather? We were driving east just a few weeks ago, and it was in Indiana or Iowa or one of those I places somewhere in the middle. And, boy, there was this front that came through from behind. Well, I love weather. It moved 55 miles in half an hour and dropped five inches of rain. I love that kind of stuff. My wife is not blessed. Okay, I grew up in Huntsville, Alabama, saw tornadoes every other year. This is the coolest thing. I told that story, and then somebody said, yeah, my grandmother was killed by a tornado. Well, okay, that ruined that story. <laughs> but anyway, so this storm is coming through, and it's just it's scaring my wife to death. I'm just like, this is so cool. I have it on tape. This is the coolest thing. And Jesus showed up to them in their storm, and with a word made it smoother than a fresh jar of skippy. Don't believe me? Just watch. <laughs> yes, I do know that's out of a song. But he met them where they were. And he proved that he cared about their situation. Friends, where are you going to be this week? Where are you going to be this week? That's where Jesus is going to be also. And now it's our opportunity to take him with us. What if Jesus had someone he wanted you to minister to at a restaurant you eat at this afternoon? What if? What if Jesus had someone he wanted you to minister to at your work tomorrow? What if he had someone in your neighborhood this afternoon? What if he had someone he wanted you to minister to at Walmart this next week? We walked into a, we walked into a grocery store in Nebraska one time years ago. And this woman who worked there, we were getting a shopping cart and she said, getting some groceries, huh? And it's like, you went to school. I can tell. We stood there and talked to her for 30 minutes. Who, who might need you this week in Walmart? Just in the course of your daily life, he went about doing good, finding places, finding ways, being open to, God, how can I minister for you today in this situation? 
Well, I'm already busy enough. That's the beauty of this. It's not a matter of adding one more thing. It's just a matter of recognizing where you're already going. How can I redeem the situation, the schedule that I already have? I'm not saying add one thing. I'm just saying you already get with somebody. You already get with people. You have your golf buddies, your book club, your sewing circle, your gossip circle. I mean, I didn't mean to say gossip circle. That would, when you're when in church, we don't any of us have that. But you already have people. Why not? Why not just bring Jesus into the situation? Recognize that God has placed me here for this time, for this purpose, so that you can be involved in seeing lives changed. Friends, you're already doing it. You're already doing it. You're already doing it. Would you, would you recognize it? Would you be able to just recognize how you're already being a minister to your kids? And friends, there's no, no greater disciple. They're your first disciple. They're your first congregation. Minister to your kids. Raise them up to love Jesus. And while you're in the way with them, just... Talk to them about Jesus, man. You're already doing this with people at work. You might not be aware of it. Could we be a little bit more intentional about it? What is the fishing lure in your life that every morning you could be reminded? No, I have a purpose here. I'm, on, I'm, on pur- I'm living on purpose. If I could just know the will of the Father, this is, this is how Jesus accomplished the will of the Father. He just went around doing good. Everywhere he went. And friends, you're going to be somewhere this week, and God's going to remind you, right here you could do good. And you're going to be scared. Well, I don't, want to, I don't want to sound weird right now. You're going to sound weird. It's okay. You're going to make mistakes. That's okay too. Could we make this mistake today so we won't make it again tomorrow? We can get it right tomorrow. Amen? What would happen if we lived on purpose everywhere that we go and everywhere we went? We just went about doing good. And then in this passage, in verse 49, in John 12, 49, says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Okay, <clears throat> I have a Bible that was printed on like a Tuesday from 3 to 4.43 on, on an afternoon in 1988, and it words this, the verse differently. I like the way it words it, and I cannot find it in any newer translation. Even that same translation has changed how it says to this, what to say and what to speak. But that Bible that I have said it this way. It said, the Father taught Jesus what to say and how to say it. I like that. I like that. What to say and how to say it. How many times are you offended by what is said versus how it is said? (laughs) Which is the more difficult for you? Which is the more generally offensive for you? What is said or how it's said? Friends, man, we got to learn we got to learn how to say things so that it is as acceptable. We're not trying to appease people, but we want to make the message as acceptable, as virtually, as attainable, as virtually possible. Make it as clear and plain as virtually possible. Had this guy, my dad, my dad, we had this guy come up one time and he was from somewhere else and didn't speak English very well. And uh, he was asking directions and my dad was yelling at him. We all do that. We all tend to do that. You know, if you can't understand me, I'll just talk louder. Well, that's not how he needed to hear it. He needed to hear it in his own language or else with really good sign language, which my dad knew neither. I know neither. And so what do we do? We start raising our voice. And if I just say it loud enough, it will automatically translate into Ukrainian. (laughs) It doesn't work that way. It's what to say and how to say it. And friends, as we come to Jesus every morning, 
what can I do for you today? And just ask him, God, I want to serve you today. He'll give you the wisdom. He'll give you the wisdom. Because listen, it's as important how the, how the medicine is administered as it is that the medicine is administered. Doesn't do much good to take a pill if what you really need is a shot, right? So it's not only what is said, but how we say it as well. Verse 50, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. The word of the Father gives eternal life. And this is the message of Jesus. There is a Father who loves you. And there's some of us in this room right now who could say, I've already had me a father. (laughs) I don't need another one of them. But no matter your experience with your father, good, bad, present, absent, no matter what kind of father you had, no matter what kind of father you've been, there is a father who loves you. And Jesus says, come on home. Come on home. Come on back to the garden. We, we were kicked out of the garden to protect us, to keep us from eating the tree of life in a state of sin that would have made us live forever in sin. No, he kicked us out as a blessing. And now he's saying, here's how to get back in. I am the way. I'm the way back to the Father. Won't you just come on home? There's a Father that loves you. Oh, all those mean, nasty things he did in the Old Testament. Have you ever looked at how merciful he was in the Old Testament? My word, he gave them 400 years to repent in Canaan according to Genesis 15, 16. How high do you count in the grocery store with your kids? 400 years? What do we want for nothing? Oh, he was such a mean God. He, 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 he delivered Nineveh. He chose not to destroy them. On and on and on we could go. With, there's a father that loves you. And he just wants you to come home. But I got to tell you, there's a problem. And the problem is this. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save. His ear is not heavy that he cannot hear. But your sins have separated between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you. Friends, there's a problem. There's a wall of separation between us and God. And there's no way we can take that wall down. We're the ones who built it. We can't can't afford the price to take that wall down. But God wanted a relationship with us. He wanted a relationship with you so much that he paid the price to have that wall taken down. And the price was greater than him dying himself. It was sending his most beloved son to die for us to take the wall down. And when Jesus died on the cross, the wall was destroyed. It was removed in Jesus. And now all that remains there, and there's no rubble laying around. There's no nothing laying. It's all cleaned off. And now all that remains is you, the Father, and Jesus. And the question has to be asked, what are you going to do with Jesus? Friends, He's the way to the Father. He is the way to the one who loves you. He is the way to the one who, in the middle of all of your suffering, says, I know. I know how it feels. What have you been through? What are you going through right now? Jesus has gone through that. Do you realize all we're doing is filling up in our bodies the sufferings of Christ? And the reason he went through it was so that he could come to every one of us to say, I know how it feels. I know what pain is. And friends, when we take the pain, the suffering that we go through, and we take it to the Father and say, what's going on here? I need your ministry in this. I need your grace. He gives us grace so that, according to 2 Corinthians 1, we can minister that same grace to someone else who's going through the same thing. Have you come to the Father?
If you're here this morning, if you're watching today in a hundred years and you've never accepted Jesus, I want to tell you it's as simple as this. It's as simple as, God, I built a wall because of my own determination, my own sin, my own will, and I'm really sorry about that. I looked at you as you offered me every blessing, and I said, no, I don't want it. And I'm really sorry about that. You have taken that wall down. And I just want to say thank you for that. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I state now that he is my Lord. He is in charge. I will do what he tells me to do. I do believe in my heart that you've raised him from the dead. And the byproduct of that is I will be saved. God, I want the salvation, but it comes through lordship and belief and then salvation. And friends, it's just as simple and as eternal as that. I'll give you my life. I'll do what you tell me to do. For those of us who are Christians here, what is your fishing lure? What is your reminder that every day I'm on task, I'm on mission. God has called me to do something. God called Justin and Amber to do something here for 10 years. And were they faithful? Yeah, they were faithful. And you know what? He's called them somewhere else now. He has not called you somewhere else yet. So while you're here, while you're here, this week, what are we going to do? Just going about doing good and bringing healing to those that God brings to us. Friends, God has placed you where he has placed you because only you can minister to those people the way you can minister to them. They need you. God, this week, Father, this week, as we go about our daily business, Father, you're not asking us to add a bunch of things to prove our spirituality. You're, just in, you're asking us to invite you into our daily experience. Father, this week, would you remind us in the places we go and the things we do and the people we associate with just the simple reality that Jesus went about doing good and I'm going to also. I'm just going to bring Jesus into the conversation and he did all that because God was with him. Father, you're with us. How can we say thank you enough for that? Here's a good way. We're just going to go about doing good healing all who are afflicted of the devil because we recognize you're with us. And when it's time for glory, we're going to point it to you. Make sure that people know that you're the one, you're the reason, you're the origin of every good and perfect gift. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for inviting us back into your presence. Be glorified this week in Jesus' name. Amen.